Hey, have you applied to speak at Voice Summit yet? Applications are open until March 31st. So if you have something to say about voice, go to voicesummit.ai and click on apply to speak to be considered. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? Apply now. Over 10 million UK homes and half a million businesses trust British gas. On this special episode, you'll hear Diana Mundo, the senior experience designer who is part of the publicist sapient team who created the voice skill for British gas and the client SEO and content manager at British gas, Laura Salida, discussing how the process began. You'll hear why British gas wanted to get in on voice the eight-week period Diana and her team used to create, build, and test the skill, how it will help customers and the company, plus why British Gas sees value in voice and why Diana expresses the value of testing so much at her company as agencies create voice skills for clients. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your host, Carrie Roberts. And today I have with me the team who created the British Gas Action on Google, Boiler Support. I have UX designer Diana Mundo from Publis Sapient and her client, Lauren Salata from British Gas. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Carrie, for having us. Hey, thank you for having us. So the British gas boiler support skill helps solve the most common heating and hot water issues by giving the user clear, practical directions. But before we talk about how it works, I'd love to go back a little bit. This was an eight-week project where you went from discovery all the way to a live action. And I know there was a lot of research involved as well as great collaboration. And I'd love to start with you, Laura. Can you tell us why you came um, to Diana and her team? What was the problem that you were trying to solve? So everything started with a conversation we had with Google. So Google came to us and talk about the importance of voice technology, the growth that is happening across all the world with different audiences actually uh, going to try it. And we thought that as a company, we need to be leading uh, up the, the market and we like to showcase as an innovator. So that's why we decided we like to do something with voice. But how can you like basically mix or combine voice technology with solving uh, heating issues? And that's why we realized that there were lots of uh, boiler problems that could be easily solved by the customer himself without the need of an engineer. So that's why we thought, okay, how about if we create an action on Google and Google Assistant that it will help customers to solve their most common boiler issues without the need of an engineer, without the need of calling and waiting for like X number of minutes just to, to an engineer to arrive. And that's why we thought, okay, we need also like a good partner to help us implement this. And that's why we got in touch with uh, Publishing Sapient and Diana and the team who were very collaborative. And from the minute one, they were very agile and very efficient and helped us to build this tool in like eight weeks, which is completely amazing from a PCC point of view. Yeah. And Diana, as you had said, it took you eight weeks. I would love for us to kind of go through this entire process for people to understand how it works. And I know it started a lot with the research you did and then kind of creating a strategy. So can you take us from kind of week one through week eight, what you all did? Yes, 
Sure. So this project, as uh, Laura said, it was a little bit crazy, you know, going from absolutely nothing all the way to a live action. So when we started, we kicked off the project with a big team. Um, we had uh, Ashley, our developer, Amy, our copywriter. We had um, Toby and uh, Sam, a lot of people from British Gas as well. And it was a bit too many people <laughs> in Google for the first print. And we kind of got all together, all got to know each other. We had one of the boiler engineers with us to make sure that we were um, working kind of in the right direction and solving the right problems. So basically, the way we worked throughout um, the whole project was guided by data. Uh, British Gas had a program where they had engineers on the other side of the phone helping people solve uh, problems with their boilers. So basic problems like turning the boiler on and off again um, that people can do at home easily and not wait for an engineer. So imagine you wake up one day at 7 a.m. in the morning and your house is freezing. You realize there's no heating, there is no hot water, and it's just awful. If you have something at hand that will help you solve that problem, your life will be so much better than waiting for three days for the engineer to come. So that was kind of the premise of the work. We took the data from that program that they had on the phone, and we kind of analyzed which were the problems that people were having more often. We took those problems and we created basic uh, journeys based on flows from technical flows. So we created basic user journeys that would help people kind of do this stuff with the boilers. We talked to the engineer. He helped us kind of refine those journeys, make sure everything was safe. And we started working on it like straight away. We knew how important it would be to do research all the time with this, uh, especially with voice, you know, it's, it's even more important than ever to do proper research with users. So we started testing very early in the journey. We created prototypes. We started testing. We tested. We did, I think it was six rounds of testing, three official ones and three unofficial ones. So we always tested every test before we went out live. So we started testing on week three with British Gas employees and publicity saving employees. And we tested the prototypes and from then on, it became a matter of iterating on that first prototype. So basically the core of the work, the happy paths we designed in the first three weeks. And after that, we focused on mainly error handling and unhappy paths and everything that we could do to make the experience right. We tested, again, real users. So we did recruitment of voice devices or voice technology users. And we tested this time, the second time that we tested, we did it with the actual developed action. So our developers, Ashley and, and Mark, they just worked really, really hard. And they had a, an action that worked for week five, more or less. We tested with real users and again, finding bugs in real uh, user testing, it gives invaluable information. 
we've iterated on the copy, on the dialogues and everything that we were getting out from the users. And then for the final test, that was around week seven, we visited, and this was a really cool experience, we went to the Boiler Sport Academy, the Boiler Academy, sorry, no sport, to the Boiler Academy and we tested with real boilers. So actually people were fixing boilers for real this time. It wasn't with paper boilers that we had at the beginning. They actually managed to fix them. So that was really exciting. And the last week we just focused on tidying up again, improving based on the research. And yeah, we went live on the very last day of those eight weeks. But we're live and the the action is live at the moment as well. I love that. So you, I mean, you're really emphasizing the research and the data in the beginning. And I like that you were testing throughout the eight weeks. So correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you were kind of doing a little bit and then testing, doing a little bit, then testing, rather than creating this entire thing and testing it at the end. Would that be correct? Exactly. Yeah. So we created first the happy path and we put them in a prototype and that was the first step. And based on the results, we changed things and we tested again. So to squeeze six research sessions in eight weeks, you have to test at least every other week. So yeah, we were testing a lot. I think it was very good that we managed to test with the real action, the developed one, because it also gave us a view of the bugs of how people could break the action and how we could be prepared for those instances. So when you say if the breaking the action, what would that have included? Well... One big example that we had to handle is people don't have their Google Home where their boiler is. So a lot of the times we had to ask people to go and check the boiler or go and check the meter and the session will time out. So we realized during the test by putting props on the walls, making people move around, we realized that there were points in the action that it would break. Because it would time out and when people came back, they would have to start from the beginning. So we had to work on adding persistence on certain points where it was most likely that the users would have to restart the session at a specific point in time. That is so smart. I think that's something we have not talked about on this show when you're testing. Like you're saying, they have to go check something in the home. The Google Home is not next to it. So you have to account for that time. That's incredible. Was that something that you tested on purpose or you kind of found as people were using it? No, no, no. I'm a big fan of using props in testing because I love to make them as well. (laughs) So even for the first round of testing, I made a cardboard boiler with um, a small radiator and a thermostat. Also because the testing, when you're testing a website, you give people a script. Like these are the details you need to go through the journey. But when you're testing with boys, you can't really give anything written to people because then they will just read it and you won't find out what is the way they would actually answer to the questions you're asking them. So we just put data, like details on the boiler, for example, the the temperature. We put the temperature on the thermostat. We put valves in a specific position in the radiators. And then we waited for them to tell us what they thought they were seeing. So you almost like set up, I'm picturing like a little mini theater production here that you have going on. 
where you're setting up props and you're testing. That is a very intelligent way to test. And I think, again, I have not heard that before. So I congratulate you on doing that um, to help make this skill so much better. Yeah. So Laura, I'm curious, you as the client, when you know you heard about this originally from Google, your company decides, okay, we're going to hire this company to do it. What was your expectation for this skill? And then how did you kind of feel about it once it was completed? So basically, first of all, we wanted this project to help thousands of people who wake up to a freezing cold house in the middle of winter. That was our primary goal. And that hasn't changed we wanted people to actually use it to see invoice one of other like another channel that they can use to help uh, run their homes better and to get them back to their routine obviously once we know the struggles when you basically something in your house is, is broken and you just need to call an engineer sometimes you have to take some time off to wait for that engineer. So we just wanted to actually make life easier for our customers. And that's what we are expecting and now once it's, it's launched. So and making sure that people are aware and people use it when once they need it. So to demonstrate that we will be there for our customers. And I know you told me before we got on this call that this is a fairly new skill that just launched. So how do you plan on marketing it? I know I did see the website. I think it's beautifully done to kind of explain it so far. But what is your tactic for marketing this and letting your customers know that this is an option for them? So I think, uh, I think at the beginning, we would like uh, to test it with, and to do like a soft launch with our own customers. So this action is available to everyone completely for free. So we just don't want to focus on our customers, but we wanted to receive the feedback from them first. So in case that there's something that we can even optimize further doing it at this very early stage. Because as Diana said before, obviously we did this in just eight weeks. So we did lots of testing, but obviously I think the best way to continue improving your services and products, and in this case, tools and actions is by receiving feedback from your customers. So the first stage of our marketing plan is initially to go after our customers and promote them with them and making sure that they use it when they need it. Obviously, uh, we are having really cold temperatures right now in, in UK. So I think it's the perfect timing for people to use these boiler support actions and make sure that if they've got any problem with their boiler, they will have the possibility to talk to boiler support and helping them solve it themselves. And Laura, you know, the question we get asked so many times from companies, and, and Diana, I'm sure you hear it too, is what is the ROI on voice? So when you're looking at your company, Laura, for you, what is this ROI on voice with this skill that you've created? So I think the main, for us, the first of all, I think the first, like, primary objective is awareness. So making sure that people are aware of this tool. I think sometimes companies invest a lot of money and a lot of time in creating new innovations for their customers, but customers sometimes they are not aware. Even if, for example, I work in digital marketing and we create lots of amazing content and beautifully like presented, but sometimes people don't read it because they, you don't have created the 
the best way to make sure that that content is in front of the people you want it to. So I think for us, the first, I think the first objective is awareness. Make sure that people know that public support exists and they can use it. And I think, uh, secondly, it will be engagement and problem fix. Obviously, we've got access to uh, dialogue flow, so you've got the possibility to see how many, how people are engaging with the tool and basically, potentially, how many boilers have been fixed going through the different uh, journeys that the tool itself presented. So as we said at the beginning, you've got three possibilities, which are no hot water, no heating, or no heating and no hot water. So depending on the path that they took, it would be interesting to know basically the engagement on, on the assistant and the successful fixes. Yeah, and I would assume, you know, over time, this gives your company data, it's going to save your technicians time, and overall your company money, plus you're creating just much better customer service for your clients, I would assume. Yes, definitely. Uh, that's exactly what we wanted as well. So to position ourselves with a company that is at the top of innovation, that also are aware of the changing needs of our customers, we have to make sure as any company in the world have to make sure that we are offering different tools, different channels that our customers are using. We can, obviously, there's not only one channel this day. We need to go to think about a more omni-channel approach and make sure that we are facilitating these tools for our customers for any time they need it. Yes, very, very good point. And Laura, do you have any advice or feedback you could give to companies that are looking to create a skill and hiring a company to do so? Any advice for them in going about this process? I think my advice would be just do it. I think it's not failure here. It's just like test and learn process. And it might sound very cliche, but it's the reality. You have to do this. You have to Voice, I mean, researchers are showing that by 2020, uh, of the online searches will be through voice. So you need to make sure that you are going to be there. And I think it's very important to jump into the wagon quite early as we are doing right now, because otherwise people's expectations are going to change, are going to, to grow massively during the upcoming years. And that's why you need to make sure that by then you have built a robust action that is engaging, that actually helps or solves issues quite easily for your customers and being there because otherwise you are going to basically be outdated and not being able to engage with your customers and understanding the changing needs. Yes, all very good points. Diana, do you have any advice for voice technology companies that are developing these skills for companies like the one you did today? Well, to be honest, my main advice would be test. <laughs> it's the easiest way to create voice. And UX has always, at least from my experience, UX has always struggled with selling research within the process, especially in agencies or consultancies. And for voice, you can't possibly develop anything without testing. You have to go out, find people, and test, 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 because that's the way you figure out how people are talking, what people are understanding from the stuff 
you're telling them I'm obviously not a native speaker, so I really need to get input from users and from other people and understand their needs, really, and just make sure that you are solving a real problem they have and not just making one up. <laughs> yes. What, you know, I mean, testing is similar to new business ideas as well. You know, you have to, you think you know the problem sometimes and then it's something different that they need. So I love that you clearly, you and your company have done that from the start of this process. And it obviously shows because Laura and, and her team are, are very satisfied with where it's at. I'm excited to see where it will go. Where can people learn more about each of you if they want to connect with you or if they want to try out the skill? Well, the skill is live. The action is live on Google. So if you're having any issues with your boiler, you just have to say, hey, Google, talk to boiler support. And then that will open the action and just guide you step by step on how to fix your boiler. And you don't have to be a British gas customer to use it. So it's open for everyone. And in terms of connecting with us, we are both on LinkedIn, always happy to have a chat, have a coffee for talking about boys or talking about even boilers, if you want. I love that. And the last question we like to ask on this show to help promote voice, just as we are right now, what is a flash briefing or skill or experience that each of you are using and enjoying right now? And Diana, I'll start with you. Yes. So for me, it's managing the home. So we have everything at home that is connected to Siri. So we just control temperature, lights, everything basically through voice. So it's so easy when everything is connected, adding stuff to the shopping list. And my partner is in the supermarket, so I can just add something in the shopping list while I'm cooking and he gets it there. It's all like um, out of the box functionality, but all the setup we've done with the house, with the lights, with the thermostat has been really cool and just really makes your life a lot more relaxed. Yes. And Laura, what about you? I think I was speaking with, uh, with Diana earlier and I said to her that I found fascinating that for a non-English native speaker I am, uh, Google understands everything that I said. Sometimes even I try to make things more complicated, but even with that, and I think it's, it's, it's fascinating the way that you don't need to, to have like a perfect English voice and being able to be understandable by voice. So that's why I think it's, it's important to make aware to everyone that it doesn't matter uh, the language that you speak. Uh, Google has got an amazing technology behind that allows you to do any action on the tool without actually needing to say, have to say it properly. I was thinking, like, for example, this morning, I listen a lot of my radio uh, podcasts uh, in Spanish, and sometimes they put the Spanish names. But even with that, Google understands it perfectly, and it's incredible that they play it straight away. So I just feel like it's like completely like a step forward in technology and making people life easier. Yes, I know Google specifically does a lot of that training and testing and um, they have people of all different dialects and different ways of speaking and they capture their voice so that it can do exactly what you're saying so anyone can talk to it and it's picked up very easily, which is great to hear that it's working for you in that way. I want to thank both of you for being here. I think this is a very special episode to 
have the voice team that developed and designed something along with the client to speak about their expectations and what's to come of it. We don't hear this a lot. And and I appreciate you both being on here and sharing this story. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Kerry. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. It was was great. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.